they taught us how to love. Power Ballads on the Metal Shop Podcast. To another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And this week we are doing power ballads. All right. So this was originally intended. We we're gonna try to record this around Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. And then right? we got a little sidetracked right. with some other shit that came up because we don't really plan that far ahead. Right. Despite what it might seem like. Yeah, our obvious organizational skills yeah, yeah but no it's pretty much we do that we pull this off week to week and that was the original thing was gonna be hey let's uh try to get this one it'll be cute for valentine's day right and then uh we and got distracted by other all the topics. Aussie news and yeah. all that so it's still still february yeah <laughs> technically uh probably not when this gets like actually put out Right. It's going to be the beginning of March. But, you know, it's spring. It's a season of love. It's, right. We're going to fucking stretch it. I mean, I don't know. We're, as it stands, we're, we're really... Uh, we're. I'm not going to say we're running out of ideas because we always seem to get one. But, shit, man. We're going into Easter season now. So, yeah. uh, we're going to start getting into Christian rock soon. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just your top sure. five Striper albums. Right. <laughs> um... You know, it's funny. I have a sneaking suspicion that this episode's going to be popular. It could be. We got a good response for the hair metal one, and hair right. metal and power ballads go together. Go like hand in hand, and jelly, so. right? And you know, people always think like, oh, you know, power ballads. Those are like the chick songs, yeah, and whatever. And that's true. But I kind of think like, like you're with it. Like if you're with a chick, right? And then and then she like. It's like, oh yeah, this this is our song, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever. Usually after the breakup, it's the dude that's getting drunk listening to that song. Yeah, she long forgot that shit. Yeah, you know? she's not really all that bent. Yeah, but yeah, you're so, fucking crying. Yeah, so playing I, it like ten times in a row on the jukebox at the bar yeah. and shit. <laughs> yeah, Man, guys do not. They, you know, it's funny because for as much as people like to. To act like dudes are not emotional. Guys are the ones that fucking handle breakups the worst. Oh yeah, for sure. For I mean, sure. it depends on the breakup. I mean, women get they get upset, but they move on. Like, example, when I met my wife, I'd been single for about three years. Mm. I had a breakup that wasn't that great, and I was just like not really like ah. Uh, 
I mean, I was ready to do that again. Yeah, I was hooking up with chicks here and there and having like, you know, little friends with benefits things. And then when they would pull the, all right, well, you need to commit to me or we need to stop doing this. I would just say, okay, we need to stop doing this. Right. So I've been single for about three years before I met my wife, before I felt I was ready for a relationship again. My wife had been single for three months. Right. After a three-year relationship <laughs> with a guy when she, she met was me. like, I'm ready. And uh, I wasn't even the first dude she met off of the dating sites right. and stuff. She got on some dates already. And it's funny because we did kind of rush into things to the point where her friends all were like, are you sure you should be in a relationship with a guy that you just met like two weeks ago when right. you've been single for... For three months, but it's like, you know, I fucking put a ring on her finger, so, you know, suck it, bitches. Right. So there you go. And our but, song is our song forever. You know what? We don't really have a song. Yeah, maybe that's good. It's, <laughs> we picked a song from that show, Nashville. Oh, Lord. For our uh, dance at the wedding, because we're watching that show together for a while. We didn't mm. even finish the fucking th- show. Oh, man. She just started, it was like, this show is all dramatic all the time. It's just like... They killed off the main character. Da, da. So now we don't even watch the show. Our dance was to a country song. Right. Because of that. Neither one of us fucking listened to country right. for the record. Right. It was just a thing we were able to agree on with this one song because we liked a show. Right. So, yeah, we don't. she doesn't listen to anything I listen to, and I generally don't listen to anything she listens to, so we don't have like a this is our song right. thing to bond over. Right. And that's fucking fine because anytime I've had a song with a chick, it just ruins a song for me. You know, <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, in looking this up, I always like, okay, so we're going to do an episode on power ballads. I'm going to look at a list of the hundred power ballads of the fucking century or whatever the yeah. fuck it is. And I came to the conclusions that power ballad means different things to different people. That is true. I didn't see. I didn't want to like restrict you. Yeah. Because I kind of had my own criteria for a power ballad. It was basically, it had to involve for for a power ballad. It had to involve the concept of love, concept whether of love. whether either being in love or a breakup. Out of love, yeah. And it had to at least be plugged in at some part. Right. So some people are like, oh, what about Mr. Big to be with you? It's like, yeah. well, I'm a, it's, an, it's an acoustic ballad. It's just a ballad. It's just a ballad at right. that point. So that was my criteria right. that I used. That was almost very similar to mine. Yeah. Yeah. I said there has to be a power chord in it at some point. Yeah. Or a solo or something. So it's like little things. Like there's some songs that maybe you think about it and it's like, well, in some respects... Uh, Metallica fade to black. Mm-hmm. Some people considered that a pow- the first Metallica power ballad. Right. I don't consider it that because it's just singing about wanting to fucking die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it rocks out pretty hard towards the end. Right. So it's, a so bit it's more like a requiem song or yeah. something like that than a fucking. Although it does have like, like um, it has picking. Yeah, which is which is funny because uh, I was watching, like I say, you know, I'm I'm in this Scorpions thing because whatever they they put out those DVDs, I wa- I've been watching them, uh, and and they talk about Rudy Shanker talks about, you know, uh, people thinking, oh, when this song or that song came out, oh, the Scorpions sold out and whatever, whatever, and he's like, nah, we've had one of these songs with picking, yeah, <laughs> on all of our albums, you know, so to him. 
if it has picking, there's your power ballot yeah. right there. You know, I mean, it's it's funny too. Going back to the Metallica thing, uh, yeah, I mean, people accuse Metallica of, like of selling out with Fade to Black mm-hmm. on their second fucking album. Yeah, no, just because they played a slow song. Right, no, that, that your first and second albums are telling everybody. This is what this band is. Yeah. You know, and obviously if you have a ballad in there or a slow song or whatever, that makes it part of what you do. Yeah. You so know? I'm sure there are some purists out there that are like, oh, this band went to shit after Dave Mustaine's material ran out. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Exactly. I, I can't does I can't think of a Megadeth power ballad. Uh a Tulemon. Okay. <laughs> there you go. And even See? then it's kind of about dying. But it's right. the closest thing to a Megadeth power ballad. Well, there you go. He does, you know, in one of the later albums, they have one that's a little bit power ballady, also. Okay. And it's kind of like, it's it's still a heavier song. I can't remember the name of it. It's like a, tears in a vial or something like that. Okay. But it's like singing about a breakup. It right. sounds like, but then it starts like twisting, and then it's like starts getting heavier and faster, and it's like oh. I think he's singing about killing his girlfriend. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then it ends like, you know, with now that you're gone, now that you're dead, like that kind oh, of thing. Lord. And it's like, oh, shit. And he has right. another. No, I just meant you're dead to me. That's yeah. all. Yeah. There's a later one where it sounds like it's like singing about how beautiful a woman is, but then it's like, it turns out it's like a woman he's like keeping locked up in the basement or oh, some shit. Man. Later, Megadeth gets fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know another thing that has to do with the with for me with the power ballad thing is that it kind of be a heavy band. You know, if it's yeah. not really a heavy band, like you know, I've seen a lot of Journey songs included in the power ballads. Well, they're not like, heavy to begin yeah, with. Yeah, that's really not that far from what they normally do. So it's kind of not doesn't have the same contrast. Although those are killer songs, you know, I don't know that for us, they would qualify. Yeah. You know, I have a bunch of songs that are barely, that, you know, didn't qualify for whatever reason. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, might as well just get right to it. You want to go? All right. Uh, hang on. I want to talk about one that almost made my list, but I decided it doesn't count because um, it didn't meet my criteria about the love part. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm just going to throw it out there real quick. But Skid Row, 18 in life. Okay. Because it's very power ballady, but it's not about like a relationship. And this right. And that. It's about a guy fucking up and ending up in prison. Right. Stuff like that. Although in a sense, it could be like a love song for his friend. Yeah. Who went away or whatever you know. it was. But it, 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 it doesn't make the cut quite for me. Right. But it's... You know, I mean, and Skid Row had stuff like I Remember You and shit right, like that. Right, So, um, right. they had the standard powered ballad on their own. Right, so there's no need to deviate. I do yeah. think maybe one, I, we need to talk about Skid Row a little bit more one of these days. Yeah. We talked about them here and there. I think they, I don't know, I think that's, as a band, I think they got unfairly lumped in. To the hair metal thing. Yeah, they, they were heavier of, than most of those bands. Yeah, they were, you know, I know what the image is. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Sebastian Bach was a pretty boy. Right. And this and that. And you have to capitalize on that. Yeah, I think. I, that shit sold. Yeah. But 
the more majority of their shit, it was fairly heavy right. for the for the strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't like poison no party anthems or Mm-mm. anything like or like just that bubblegum thing. They were much much closer to Guns N' Roses right. than than Poison or right. Warrant, you know. But uh, I don't I'd know. be kind of interested to see Sebastian Bach now if if he comes around. I'd probably go. Yeah, I actually bought one of his records a while. I mean, it's a fucking while ago now. Is when yeah. I was working at Target, so that was a decade ago at yeah. this point. But I bought a random just solo album of his, and uh-huh. it was pretty. It had some pretty heavy shit on it, and yeah, I had Axl Rose do yeah. on a couple of tracks. So anyway, going yeah. into my actual first song I picked. Uh, Speaking of Metallica and how I said, you know, uh, Fade to Black doesn't count for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing else matters. 100% counts. Okay. counts because i use my technically (laughs) there's a couple on there where i do that because the majority of that song it's acoustic right but it does have a plugged in solo from kirk Mm -hmm. it's a pretty solid solo Mm -hmm. 
So I can say at that point, if it's got a, an electric guitar solo in it, I decided it counted. Okay. Because I don't listen to too many power ballads to begin with. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And that was, you know, there's a lot of shit where if people, if old school fans didn't like Fade to Black, they really didn't like Nothing oh, Else Matters. yeah. But that's that song you can listen to with your chick and have a lighter out at a Metallica concert, you know, with yeah. your girl, yeah. that kind of thing. So, and it's a pretty solid song. That's when James was really, um, really expanding as a songwriter. Right. He wasn't just singing about, you know, death and, you know, fucking Egypt and, and shit like that. Yeah. And, yeah. He's starting to like kind of, that happens when you get older. Right. You can't be pissed off in 20 forever. Right. And um, pretty soon your real emotions start to get into yeah, your songs. Well, you, you meet your wife and right. this and that. Yeah. And, you know, and it's funny to me because the whole story that goes is he put down a demo of it and showed it to Lars and everybody and said, I mean, I, it's not Metallica, mm-hmm. but here's something I came up with in the hotel. And they just said, fuck it, Metallica is whatever we say Metallica is. Right. You know, it's it's going on the thing. And right. That, that seems to be a thing that happens with a lot of bands the first time they do a slow song like that. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with uh, Under the Bridge with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. Ah, I don't think it's really Chili Peppers. It is whatever we say it is. Fuck it. We're recording right. it. You right. Know? Now, for, for that song, it it's a badass song. Um, I want to say badass. But... I mean, I, I think it is. <laughs> And it and it happened before it and it happened before, like the major falling out for me with Metallica, which was after that. Yeah. But um, but it still was a little bit of a punchline for us, because like fucking you know like if if Lenny was pissed off about something and he fucking was like finally gonna say his piece about something and fucking get off his chest, yeah. and after he was done up, he like. And nothing else matters, you know, whatever, you know, so we'd make fun of each other and shit like that. But, um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's, uh, we kind of did that with probably all of these songs yeah. that are going to be on this list. So, well, when you're all trying to be macho right, and, this and right. that, it's kind of like, they're all, a lot of these are considered punchlines to begin with. Right. I mean, I open with the line from that fucking that compilation thing you used to see all the time with yeah. the uh, the power ballads in the Niners, like they taught us how to live. Right? It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. So it's like it's yeah, corny. I had a love from poison. Yeah. 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 That's a weird thing to learn, but. <laughs> yeah. So that's number one. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of try to match genres with you, but I really don't have one for that. So I'm gonna go with uh, Goodbye to Romance. Since I've had Ozzy on the brain lately, yeah, I've got Randy on the brain all the time. You know, um, that was my the first Randy solo that I learned, and it also just so happens that it was a punchline to something that that happened when I left Spain. It was like um, something I wasn't ready for, and my friends over there weren't ready for or whatever, and so we like tried to keep in touch you know communication obviously there was no internet at that time letters weren't really you know gonna get it gonna do it you know so what we did was 
we'd send like uh, they send me a tape, and it's them clowning around, fucking around, and then I'll send them a tape as my yeah. response to it or whatever. And one thing that like every group of friends probably that I've ever had, we always thought we were funny. Right. Yeah. Whether we were funny or not, well, that's up for debate. But I mean, you made each other laugh. Yeah, we thing. made each other laugh, and we thought we were funny or whatever. And so uh, one of the first tapes that they sent me was like a tape of little skits that they did, you know, and incorporating music in it. Yeah. And one of the jokes that they made was, hey, uh, what did... Uh, what did Ozzy's doctor say when he cut his balls off or fucking, you know, whatever. Goodbye then, to Rome. Yeah, they cut in the song real quick or whatever, whatever, whatever. So that song kind of stands out for me for that reason too. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons. Um, you know, it's a, it's a classic Ozzy song and I think the solo is a classic Randy solo. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it, it's still, it's one of those things that I'll, I'll never like not, not listen to it or fast forward it or yeah. whatever. I, it's right there in the in the rotation on the album. Perfect where it goes. I mean, goodbye to romance. It's a it's a nice little song. Mm -hmm. I much 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 prefer on the later releases where they have that mix where it's just the guitar. Oh yeah, and Ozzy. Oh yeah. Um, you know, not nothing against the keyboards for the most part. Mm -hmm. The keyboards are a little overpowering on it normally. You, you know? know, and that's going to be a thing on here. You know, and uh, yeah. For and sure. it's it takes away the little we were talking about that before there's a nice little end end guitar lick that you know the outro that randy's doing with mm -hmm. it that gets lost in the original version because it fades out on top of like you know yeah 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 that fucking you know i know that's one thing i didn't like about that era was they started getting that weird sound out of out of keyboards for shit. Yeah. It reminded me of like, you know, uh, a Europe and stuff right. like that, where it's just a little too much and in your face. But when you have that new remix of it, not only does it, you know, it take away from that. So it's ending on the guitar, mm -hmm. but they didn't fade out on it. Right. So you get Randy actually ending the right. song. Exactly. Which is so fucking rare. And yeah. Like and everything, so much better. 
everything faded out back then. Yeah, it was a thing. And, you know. It was a thing. The little, just getting that little ending of that really enhanced the song even more to me. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a great little power ballad. Ozzy, for all his, you know, biting the heads off of bats and the Lord of Darkness and all this shit, he had a lot of love songs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mama, I'm coming home. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't really think that his voice would lend itself to that, but yeah. somehow it does. Yeah, I thought about putting Ozzy and Lita Ford on there. We close oh, yeah. your eyes forever. That's right. That was a big fucking hit. It was a huge hit. And uh, what's funny, this is the most half-assed thing I've seen in a while, though, um, on an Ozzy tribute album, because this is a thing I've been doing lately. I get bored, mm-hmm. and I'll start looking up. I'll start. I'll just like look up on like Amazon Music. I'll put in like Iron Maiden and then tribute. Okay. Just as I, I start kind of wanting to see like other people's takes on some of the shit. Right. So there's an Aussie one, and it's an Aussie tribute, and it's Lita Ford just singing all of Close Your Eyes Forever. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that doesn't fucking count. Yeah, that's how is that a tribute? But uh, <laughs> I'm going to take you off of this as a tribute. Yeah. <laughs> And it just made me laugh. I think it was like a live uh, performance funny. of it with her doing it by herself. But it's still I'm like, that's not a fucking tribute, man. You know, I saw Alita Ford a couple of years ago. And I can't remember if it if she did that song or not. If she did, she probably did it alone. Yeah. Well, I mean, so she, can't, sure. she can't just cart out Ozzy. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go look up the set list and give see. it a give it another year. She'll start paying for the Aussie hologram. It was a really weird show that show because it was at um, I guess it was at Sequan, and they have that theater there. It's a new theater, mm-hmm. and and they have like it's big cushy seats in the in there. Yeah. So basically, people just sit down. And you know, and I, and you sit down for like a hard rock show, and everybody's just sitting down. Yeah, but you're comfortable. Yeah, you're comfortable, you know. But it's it's odd. It's odd. You know, uh, I saw at um, more and more. I appreciate sitting down, though. Yeah, no, that was what it was like when I went to. Uh, it was at Saquon. No, was it? Is no, is that Valley View? Never mind. Mm-hmm. It was kind of they had some pretty comfortable seats and. In the uh, showroom we're in. Right. And it was the, like, get the lead out, Led Zeppelin tribute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it took a minute for people to finally start getting up and yeah. getting into it. Because you're like, fuck, uh, this is nice. Like, yeah. when we went and saw Ghost. Right. I didn't really get up that much. Right. Yeah, if the person in front of you gets up, then you have to get up. Yeah. You know, basically. But if they don't, then you're just going to milk that for as long as you can, I guess. Oh, hell yeah. I mean... <laughs> I don't need to be standing for things I don't need to. You know, like, exactly. I don't know, man. That's, I know that the young me is probably, if I would have sent this back in time to like a young me and like, look how fucking lame you get. Right. Because <laughs> yeah, like, you know, no young me would be like, shit. fuck it, we're going to be in the pit. We're going to be up front oh, forever. Yeah. Metal yeah. and mashing. How long I have to stand there. Yeah. Yeah, no, Metal fuck that. My, I'm be in the pit till I'm till I die, yeah. and it's like, yeah, no, you keep it up. You are gonna be in the pit till yeah. you die. 
It's kind yeah. of not going to be a natural Sometimes time. now I'm standing there in the front and I'm catching myself thinking, do I really like this band that much? <laughs> I'm fucking be standing here. I mean, anyway. I was up front at Ace Freely because yeah. I could sit on the stage. On the stage, which was perfect. I <laughs> love that one. spot. And on the other side, there's a good spot too. Yeah. But that spot's even better over there where, you, where that we was were a at pretty, on the left side. Yeah, I, I posted up there. I bet probably, you know, I looked like some handicapped security stand. Yeah. Like I'm sitting up on the stage. I should have done that. Just start acting swole at everybody yeah. that walked by me. Look, like, don't what? fucking look at it. What? <laughs> I'm gonna just wear a fake security. Yeah, yeah. I'm here with like it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna just wear a fake security jacket sometime and see if I can fucking oh, get that on would stage. Be too fucking funny. I'm here with like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody had to be there. All right, there for them, right? All right, let's get back into the list. So I kind of broke my rule immediately with this one. It has all the elements. It's not technically about love. You can probably make some sort of stretch about it being grateful about having like this breakthrough moment in their career. Mm -hmm. But I think Twisted Sister, the price counts. other ones are going to be more lovey songs but it's about you know it's basically a ballad about them finally getting to record a fucking album right you just you know all the lyrics are you know um it's not about a chick or anything like that it's shit like you know how long i have wanted this dream to come true and as it approaches i can't believe i'm through like right there's just a love song about finally having a breakthrough yeah you know because twisted sister had been grinding out for a fucking while oh yeah before getting a record contract right you know and bands that were in the area that they were in they were getting signed yeah. and they're get, you know but for whatever reason Right, Twisted Sister wasn't. Yeah, and and Twisted Sister was packing houses at the time, making money, putting on shows. But yeah. for whatever reason, the record companies wouldn't wouldn't. They thought they were like a joke, or yeah. something. Yeah, I guess they looked at them and they're like, "Oh, what is this like a a New York Dolls knockoff? Yeah, it's a novelty. It's weird. Is this like a a Kiss knockoff? Right. 
And kissing, you know, Twisted Sister, as far as I know, back at that time period, they're around the same circuit. Yeah. Because that's the thing is, when we're talking about the hair bands and shit, when Twisted Sister came up, they eventually came out west. Mm Mm-hmm. And then got lumped in with the Sunset Strip bands, but mm-hmm. they were a New York band. Oh yeah, you know at the start. Yeah. So it's cool that they got there. They never. I don't think they ever got where they could have been career wise. I don't know what it is. You know what? I tell you what it is because I was I was there at the time, and they were a good band. They were a good live band. They were a fairly heavy band, but. The thing is, it was, is, it was always going to be embarrassing to tell anyone that you were like a hardcore Twisted Sister fan. Yeah. It was just going to be like, people are going to look at you like, what? You know, fucking okay, they, where's your fucking pink lace and your fucking... Yeah, there is that know? kind of thing where if you are if you have to explain something, you're already losing. Yeah, so yeah. Because it's like, for me, like Twisted Sister, when I finally... I knew we we're not gonna take it, and I want to rock. Mm-hmm. When I sat down and listened to them a little bit more, I'm like, these guys can fucking play, yeah, and they have some fucking heavy songs, yeah, and some really cool songs. And I don't know why. I guess it was just the image hampered them with more serious metalheads, right? Which, but is, in a sense, it also made them with MTV. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. But they were that. like two hit wonders because right. of it. They're kind right. of a gimmick. They didn't, I mean, I thought they had the chops to actually, you know, when you dive into it, they got mm-hmm. some real cool shit in there. Mm-hmm. And, but the look was always going to turn off a the, certain percentage, a certain yeah. percentage of the metalheads, which is fucking hilarious because at that time period, everybody looked fucking stupid. Yeah. All the dudes that thought they looked cool, like, oh, fucking Judas Priest looks badass, not these fucking fruits. Like, yeah. They're the, gay, they're the gayest looking band out there in retrospect. Yeah. You know, but absolutely, that, that's what's so funny. Like, Iron Maiden is sick as fuck and pr- fucking heavy and fucking amazing. But during that time period... And they were spandex to the max. It was spandex and cod pieces yeah, and fucking... They just looked fucking corny everybody looked dumb so it's sort of funny that there was like a line that people couldn't cross yeah yeah. oh but not that yeah totally i think that was the thing you know people talk about how grunge really wiped out hair metal and Mm. all this while that may be true i'd say bands like metallica making it big Mm -hmm. and just looking like metallica helped really fucking clean the clocks of a lot of these bands or at least changed up their look yeah because like you don't have to do that yeah because maiden they're not up there in spandex and right ridiculous costumes anymore they're it's kind of like now it's more stripped down yeah now it's just wear black wear your wear something that looks cool and comfortable right and most metal bands adapted to that over time right twisted sister not so much i think now they're a novelty act um, I think D. Snyder would probably even admit they're a novelty act at right. this point. Yeah. But, hey, fuck it. He's the, paid in full. He's doing good. He's yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> so it worked out. All right. For my next one, I'm going to go with uh, Def Leppard uh, bringing on the heartbreak. Because it came out originally in 81, right? Which was right the time I was getting into it, into uh, heavy metal. They were uh, 
we were told they were new album, right? Yeah. So they were automatically had a certain amount of credibility, you know. They're this British metal band. This is like the fucking shit right now. Right. And it was on High and Dry, which is my favorite Def Leppard album, Mm -hmm. right? So I was like, cool, you know, and and I dug the song and whatever. But uh, I never, once that album was off the front page, I never really thought I'd hear that song again or whatever. Yeah. But then uh, Pyromania came out. Pyromania blew the fuck up. Yeah. And then they decided, okay, well, we're going to release Bringing on the Heartbreak again. They they re-recorded it. Yeah, they re-recorded it. Phil Collins on it. It's got more keyboards on it, which for whatever reason during that time, more more keyboards meant more money, I guess. That's what they thought. That was a sound that was selling. Was selling, so that's what they did. That version is significantly worse than the original to yeah. me. And then after that, the original came back out again, and that got some run. Yeah. So, you know, that's but the way that, it goes that with that. That song really didn't want to fucking die. No. You know, you and know, it's, it was huge. It was a huge song. Yeah. It's, inter- it's interesting whenever a band re-records a song from an older album to try to get it out there and sell more, because Whitesnake did that with mm-hmm. Here I Go Again. Mm-hmm. They did that before their self-titled album. It was on one, and... They hadn't blown up, but then when it's like, oh, I feel like we're on the verge. Let's right. re-record it for this. Yeah. And right. sure enough, that became their big yeah. fucking breakthrough hit off right. of an older song. Right. And um, again, with added keyboards and all that. Yeah. Right? So That was yeah. one I was actually considering for my list when I was first starting to consider this shit. Right. Um, I figured I needed to uh, not pick all the songs. Yeah. <laughs> But it was one of those things where I also I had a hard time um, as far as Def Leppard goes between mm-hmm. that and Love Bites, mm-hmm. um, which one I would put on there mm-hmm. because I felt there I think bringing on the heart, uh, bringing on the heartache is a, 
a bit better mm-hmm. overall as a ballad. And it's still, yeah, the original version has a little bit more balls to it mm-hmm. and a little bit more grit to it. Right. Um, it really also, it turned out like when I was starting to think about my list, if I had that on there, it's like, oh man, all my ballads are just about breakups. <laughs> totally. But, um, you know, that what's funny about that one is I still remember when Mariah Carey did a cover of that. Oh, okay. You didn't know she did that? Uh-uh. No, that was in the early 2000s. It was slightly, uh, slightly retitled. Okay. It was uh, bringing on the heartbreak. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. But no, Mariah Carey covered it. And oh, a lot wow. of fucking Def Leppard dudes were like, fuck Mariah Carey. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. She completely neutered this song. Right. And Def Leppard was like, ching. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, so they got a little bit more money. Like I said, that's a song that don't die. So yeah, yeah I know. I'm going to laugh if that becomes the intro song now, the Mariah Carey version. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, I mean, check it out. It's Mariah Carey. It doesn't have, like, heavy guitars on right. it. And fuck it. I mean, Mariah Carey. It'd be safe is, to say she's a little bit better singer than she's Joe She's one Elliott. of the, yeah. you know what? <laughs> For all the jokes made about her as she turned into a diva yeah. and made that stupid-ass glitter movie. Yeah. She's one of the best vocalists of all time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. To I I would even argue she might be the best. Yeah, she's I'm, up there. She had, uh, she had, they, they analyzed the fact that, I forgot how many octaves her voice is, mm-hmm. but she's able to sing that high, high pitch, mm-hmm. but controlled. Right. Not everybody can control that right. shit. You, I've seen a lot of metal dudes. They hit that high ass thing, but you can tell it's not a controlled, yeah, you know, note. Yeah, and she was able to control that the pitch and everything on it. So yeah, I don't know. This is the the Mariah Carey podcast. Mariah Carey show. Welcome but, back. Hey, we've talked. You know, because of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we've talked about Mariah Carey. We've yeah. talked about Whitney Houston. We talked about a lot of shit. We get out there, man. We give respect to talent yeah, on the Metal sure. Shop podcast for so. sure. All right, so moving to my actual pick here. These are all real. I mean, they're in an order, but eh, until we get to number one, there's not a real definitive order for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I went with Judas Priest before the dawn. Okay. Oh 
that's just that you know it's nice little ballad mm -hmm. it hits that requirement of having the electric guitar for me right. a nice little solo in there yeah um it shows you the 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 softer part of Halford's yeah. voice. It's which it's is great. It's really towards the end of that. It's kind of right at the end of that period, going into another one mm -hmm. where Priest had a more diversified sound. Mm -hmm. So a ballad from Judas Priest didn't seem weird. Yeah. So <clears throat> a, a love song and this and that didn't seem out of character. Right. You know. Because that's they're all over the place a lot of stuff. British Steel comes out and really we're stripping it down. It's all, you know, fist pumping, head banging mm. metal from here on out. Right. So those, you know, you don't get them slow songs much anymore. Yeah, not too much. Until you start getting later, later priest where it, if you if you ask me, the last maybe few priest albums while they're definitely in line with like their mainstream uh, sound and their popularity, they started getting a little more complex with their arrangements again. Right. So you start getting slow songs in there again. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I don't know. That's what happens when you're like 70 fucking Yeah. And you old. get bored you too know. with the same, same thing over and over. But before the dawn, it's a nice little love song. You know, it's, it's uh, another one of those. It's not about a breakup, but it's definitely a like, please don't leave me song. Right. And so there's that kind of. I don't know. I don't think I don't. I don't think I go for the full blown like I love you so much song. Right. Whereas where there's always that tinge of sadness to it that oh, yeah. I end up getting drawn to, which right. you know my wife, I'm sure she appreciates. But <laughs> right. Okay. So for my next one, actually, is here I go again. Here we go. And it's funny that you you know you were talking about the uh, the old version, the new version, and, and usually I would like the old version more. This one I got to give it to the this new one. This one I like the new version because I like the guitar player better, uh, the production's yeah. better, and then there was a couple. Of, you know, they had the thing where in, it was John um, Sykes on the new version. On the right? new one, yeah. yeah. And on the on the original, he says like a hobo. I was yeah. going to, to walk alone. And then they changed that like because some drifter. people thought it said homo. <laughs> so they changed it because, yeah. God forbid, you be a homo in those days and changed it to drifter. Well, you know. <laughs> but I think that's an improvement lyrically. No, it's an improvement lyrically, but it's just sort of funny. It's like, well, you know, the definitive characteristic of homos yeah. are drifting alone. He's walking alone. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean. Yeah, I remember listening. I had first heard about the original version fairly recently, and I right. listened to it. and I thought I was going to be like, "This is going to be better," right? And then I listened. I'm like, "No, they made the right choice." Yeah, they made the right choice. <laughs> Songs of yesterday, and I've made up 
So now for this one, it came out 87, right? I was in, I was a senior in high school and I had this beautiful girlfriend, whatever, whatever, whatever. Then the next year she broke up with me and it was a, it was a heart wrencher, all that shit. Right. And so, um, but I was still trying to get back with her 88. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I would show up to things and like, she was at this talent show she had one year left in high school. I was in at Southwestern, right? Yeah. And so she was on she was on this talent show and I went to it. And me going to it was already like um I was putting myself in a fucked up situation because yeah. I was gonna look fucking like a lame. You know? I had fucking torn up that same talent show the year before. Mm-hmm. Right? And now I'm there kind of fucking like, mm, take me back, fucking whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever, right? And and so she's gonna do a dance, right? And then she comes out, and then she does the dance to "Here I Go Again" on my <laughs> own. And I'm and I, I could just like I'm watching it, and I can feel people watching me watch it. Yeah, you're like, you know? oh and shit! And I'm just like, man, I should not have fucking came to this shit, you know. And as it turns out, I it it was all for naught anyway, but. Yeah, um, but you put yourself out there. Yeah. Sometimes you put yourself out there. Yeah. It don't work. That's the thing, man. Uh, yeah. They don't tell you that part in the movies. Yeah. Every See, time, that scene could have been in a movie. Every time someone puts it, yeah, except for in the movie, that's when she, like, yeah. realizes, oh, he does love me. Right. And then they get back together. Right. Not like everybody's like, yeah. oh, fuck. But in this case, she was just like, oh, he does love me. Fuck him. Fucking loser. <laughs> yeah. So Smart. there you go on that one. Uh, but, yeah. I love the solo in that song. It's, uh, you know, controlled and short, but it does a lot in that little yeah. bit of time. We've so. talked, you know, we've talked before that uh, John Sykes is probably an underrated dude. Yeah. You know, we. And doesn't these, give a fuck. Yeah, one of these days, like I said, we might do one of those underrated guitarists. There you go. That would be uh, a good episodes one. Episodes and kind of start putting down who we would put on our list. Right. For that. Yeah, he would definitely be on there. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Man, that's a fucking. Yeah, that's an uncomfortable ass story, man. Yeah. I've never done anything like that. Yeah, it was bad. I did that. Sh- uh, closest thing I got to one time was. Uh, after me and my girlfriend broke up, I just went to her house, mm. and she was like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" And I like tried to give her back stuff that she gave me during our relationship. Right, right, right. And she's like, right. "How's like how is this supposed to make me want to get back with you?" It's just pissing me off. Right. And I'm just like, "No, let me win you back." Like she's yeah, like, "No, yeah, yeah." And the yeah. thing is, is like, we didn't even have a bad breakup. Right. She didn't break up with me because she was pissed at me or anything right. like that. She just, we wanted two different things out of life. And she didn't think she was ever going to want to settle down, have kids or anything like that. And she, we're still friends now. And we've talked about it even recently wow. where she said, you know, no, I really cared about you a lot. It's just, I didn't think, I I felt like I was wasting your time. Ugh. And it's like, well, well I could have went for some more wasted time. Yeah, (laughs) but it's one of them things where, you know, I met my wife way later. I mean, I dated this chick when I was like 21. Right. I met Roxy when I was 33. Right. So it's like, I get it. Yeah. You know, and we're friends of all my exes. The only one I'm still friends with. So maybe part of that. But at the time. Well, this one don't talk to me. And I was. Yeah. The funny part of that one, though, I was so hell bent because this is the day she broke up. Like the day or two after she broke up. Right. Um, cause I was like, no, I'm going to make this grand 
gesture. Right. It's going to work. I was living with my friend's sister at the time. And I forgot I was supposed to babysit her kids later that day. So I just fucking left. And Uh, she's like, where the fuck is Mike? Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm over there trying to get my girlfriend to take me back. And now she's trying to figure out who's going to watch her kids when she goes out. (laughs) Yeah. I felt like such a dick, you know. I can relate to that. So it was a lot of things that worked against me on that one. But (laughs) there you go. There's there's them grand romantic gestures that don't work out. Yeah. You try that shit when you're young and then you get over it. Yeah, see, instead of doing all that stupid shit, I should have just wrote a great song. Yeah. You know? Now my, you know, a a romantic gesture for me is if I leave the room to fart, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love you so much. that Now I know that the best way to get a chick back is to act like you don't give a fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I've tried that too and it didn't work either. Well, but then you didn't, at least you didn't waste your time. Yeah. At least I didn't put myself out there like like begging for them. Yeah. But, uh. All right, <laughs> so moving on, we're going to go with my number two. That's uh, uh, Guns N' Roses, Don't Cry. All right. breakup song right but it's a one of those things where i'm leaving you but i love you like type of song yeah and you know i know you're not a big fan of guns and roses i'm probably i probably enjoy them a lot more than you do right um it's a weird thing though because it took me a while to come to a real appreciation of guns and roses Mm -hmm. because when they first hit i was a fucking kid but I do remember seeing shit like Welcome to the Jungle on MTV. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, all the appetite is a pretty rocking album. Right. I know you're not super into Slash's guitars, but overall, it's a heavy album. Right. There's some, there's some ball, you know, ballady shit on there too. Yeah. But then it's just like, Guns N' Roses, it was so weird how much of a, compared to other bands, just how quick their peak ended you right. know because what appetite came out in what like 88 mm-hmm. 87 something like that and use your the use your illusions are like 1991 and right. then it was basically over right like they hit huge with appetite for destruction they needed to fucking 
you know, string it along. So they had like that little acoustic GNR lies thing mm. where they have like patience and stuff on that. And then they have like maybe a live record in there and then they go to the studio and they just decide we're going to do, no, we're not going to do a double album. Mm-hmm. We're going to do two albums. Right. Which was a little unnecessary. Right. But like they spent so much time in the studio and then they finally put this thing out and they use your illusion one and two. And it's just like so different from what they did before. Mm-hmm. And then Axl Rose is such a fucking lunatic that not long after that, it all kind of implodes on itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they're just gone. And it's just so weird. But that's the user illusion is the one where, you know, when I first was in, I kind of dug like welcome to the jungle and shit like that. Then Use Your Illusion came out, and the fucking, it seemed like all the singles were the ballads. Right. Um, with with the exception of the song that was on the Terminator soundtrack. Right. It was all a bunch of love songs and this and that. Mm-hmm. And when you're like at that age, I'm in middle school now, you're trying to figure out what you like, and it's just like, oh, these are all these wimpy girl songs. Right. So they're fuck Guns N' Roses. They're the they're the wimp band. Right. And then when you start getting into shit like Metallica and stuff like that, it's really oh fuck Axl Rose, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. Guns N' Roses, fuck that bullshit right. fake metal motherfuckers. Right. And it all really came from I think we'd all just saw the fucking tour video a uh, year and a half in the life of Metallica mm-hmm. when they were touring with Guns N' Roses, and it did not paint Axl in a good light at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was funny because even watching that video, it starts off, Metallica's really excited. Like, this is going to be an insane tour. Right. This is, this is like, at this point, the Black Album would just come out. Like, this is going to be a tour featuring the two biggest fucking bands in the right. world. Epic. It's going to be amazing. And not even halfway through of it, they're already sick of Axel. They're right. talking shit about him right. on their video. Yeah. They were reading his, uh, around one point they found his, uh, his list of all the shit he needed mm. for his dressing room. Mm-hmm. And they start reading it uh, out loud to the fucking camera. Right. Laughing. And laughing at yeah. it because it's so, it's all pretentious shit. Right. And at one point I still remember, uh, like James sitting there reading it. He's like, Oh, I need uh, X amount of roasted chicken cubed Ugh. only. And he's like, yeah, probably so it will fit down his skinny ass little throat. Like yeah. that kind of shit. Like they were fucking talking mad shit on backstage on that tour about Axel. So that whole thing puts you in that fuck that guy. Right. So you're like, yeah, fucking Guns N' Roses was weak. And they right. blew, you know, they came and went. Yeah. And yeah. then the older I got, the more I just sat down and I listened to like all of Appetite, and then I started yeah. listening to other shit. I'm like, to be yeah, fair, the music is good. I'm yeah. like, they're a fucking good band. They're just all a bunch of crazy people, right? But uh, see, now that's the thing too with it with them with them is like a lot of times, you know what? And especially when I was drinking, I overstate shit, you know, like as if I hated Guns N' Roses. Yeah. You know, not not really. I like Guns N' Roses more than ninety percent of the bands out there at the time, right? It's just that they weren't one of my favorite bands, and they seem to be everybody else's favorite band. 
So that makes that creates a situation where, like, if I want to go see him, I gotta pay a bunch of money and go and sit in the fucking back of a fucking stadium. Yeah. And I definitely don't like him that much. Yeah. You know, but I like him fine, and it's the same fucking. It's almost the same case as it is with Led Zeppelin, where it's like I like Led Zeppelin until you're trying to say. Oh, they're, they're better than Sabbath, they're or the they're best fucking band the best band. Then I'm like, nah, you know. No, they're not. And same <laughs> for Jimmy Page, and same for Slash, and you know. And it just so happens that both of those bands are better in the studio than they are live. That's yeah. another thing. But but again, I, Guns N' Roses is fine. I like them. Yeah. Zeppelin, I like them. So it's anyway, just that I don't love them. The long, the long way around of that one. I went with "Don't Cry" just because when you really sit down and listen to it, it's a solid, it's a solid fucking ballad. I like it better than their other power ballads because shit like "November Rain" is a little up its own ass. Right. I like how straightforward "Don't Cry" is. Right. In comparison, and uh, although. They did that obnoxious thing where they decide they're going to release two albums simultaneously instead of a double album. There's a version of this song on both of them. Right. And one is significantly better than the other. Right. And the funny thing is, between those two, I want to say it's the Use Your Illusion 1 version that's the one that most people know. Mm-hmm. Use Your Illusion 2 has, it's just like a fuck, it's the same song with alternate lyrics that you're like, why is this even existing? Right. I make prefer, a decision. <laughs> despite all that, I prefer the demo version they did because a lot of these songs they've been working on since they're doing Appetite for Destruction. Right. The demo version of this song is just even more stripped down and it's just the guitars and the song and it's not... You don't have that Axl Rose being all up his own ass in the studio aspect mm-hmm. to it. And that's where I think the purity of that song is. I think Axl Rose... I think he thinks he's more of a musical genius than he actually is. Mm -hmm. And everything he does starts to get too much Mm -hmm. because of how much fucking around in the studio he wants to do. So now everything has strings and everything else. And sometimes less is more. Right. There's a stripped down version of November Rain from back in like 87 Mm -hmm. where it's just the song on piano, Mm -hmm. you know, without everything else that came around it. So I don't know. I Axel's a crazy person, but right? I don't know. So I went with that because I enjoy the. I legitimately enjoy the song, right? As I got older, so. I kind of, I kind of like that. Less is more too, as far as most things go. I don't need to add, especially keyboards. I don't need to add. Yeah, but um, which which uh, t- takes me to my next one, which is every rose has its thorn. Oh, there we go. Silently stealing in the dead of the night Although we both lie close together We feel miles apart inside Was it something I said or something I did Did my words not come out right Though I tried not to hurt you Though I tried But I guess that's why they say Every rose has its thing Just like every night 
has its dawn Just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song Every rose has its dawn Settlers a game of easy come and easy go But I wonder, does he know Has there ever been like this? And I know that you would be here right now If I could have let you know somehow I guess every rose has its thorn Just like every night has its and uh, the reason for this one is because, uh, you know, I met those dudes in like 85 and it was right before their first album came out. I had never heard of them. They were already huge in L.A. I, I, I got to know that over the first few days that I that I knew them. Uh, actually, the first day I realized, yeah, because there were so many girls there at the show that I was like, "Fucking date!" I don't, I didn't know how they knew about Poison, but they knew about Poison, yeah, right. And so, uh, and so, like I said, you know, they were cool. I get to hang out with them and stuff. And uh, the first tour that they did, uh, they played the Adams Avenue Theater. I got free tickets, you know. Uh, then they opened for Rat. I got free tickets. And um, and it was during that tour that they wrote this song, right? That and it's about you know he finds out he calls his chick back home. He finds out she's fucking around on him yeah. or whatever, you know. And you don't really think of a rock star getting fucked around on, but then you think he really wasn't a rock star yet. Yeah, you know he was an opening band on a big tour, but he was calling her from a payphone at the laundromat. While he's washing his own clothes. Yeah. You know, and she's like, yeah, fuck you. This fucking guy's going to be bigger than you. Whatever whatever it is, you know. And he writes this song. Then it's a long time before it's recorded. Yeah. It's a longer time before it comes out. It comes out on their second album. And I see the fucking video. And it's climbing. Right? Climbing, climbing, climbing. And I already kind of got like the... The kind of, it's a really weird dynamic when you know somebody, but then they're getting famous. Yeah. And they just like, forget you, you. start to look kind of not so yeah. familiar to them anymore, you know? And it that was already happening. And then when this song hit number one, yeah. it was the number one song. Like, oh, Brad Michaels like, don't remember me no oh, more. Oh, yeah, they don't, they don't know me no more. Yeah, yeah. this is going to be, they've met a million people since yeah. then. Yeah. You know, I'm like, whatever, whatever. So it was kind of a fucking, uh, you know, whatever. But Fun. good for them, but, yeah. you know, whatever, you know. I mean, you still, at the end of the day, 
you know, not me, many people get to be like, yo, dude, I used to fucking kick it with Poison before they're famous yeah. and shit like that, you know. Yeah. Because of your your situation, you know, because you're, like you said, you kind of got that little, you had a little bit of that uh, local legend thing going for you in yeah. National City at that time period. You're like, oh, you're the, he's the sickest guitar in National City. Yeah. So you got to, you know, yeah, you got to cool. meet dudes when they're on the coming up because you're kind of traveling in the same circuits right. and this and that going up to L.A. So, you know, not everybody has those stories. Right. Where, you know, at one point you can say for a, a brief shining moment, I was on the same level as poison. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, really. <laughs> but and so, uh, and you know, I was telling you, I watched I watched that um Sammy Hagar rock and roll road trip show mm-hmm. or whatever. And he actually goes to Brett Michaels house and uh, he lives on this somewhere in the desert. It looks mm-hmm. like because, and he's got like 10 acres and it's like a house over here and a house over here. And in between there's like land where he rides his ATVs and shit mm-hmm. like that and whatever, whatever. But uh, so he's there and, and Sammy's asking him about this song. Because Sammy's like, basically, you know, people always ask you, oh, don't you get sick of playing that song after a while, whatever. And Sammy's like, fuck no, that song fucking pays for all this shit. I fucking love that fucking song. He's like, I'll play Can't Drive 55 till fucking however, you know, till they tell me to stop, you know. And so they 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 play this song together on acoustics. And uh, Sammy basically sings the chorus and he solos a little bit on acoustic Mm -hmm. guitar. It's pretty cool. It's a good song. It's like, it's really, um, it captures what the power ballads of that time were. Yeah. You know? I think, well, I mean, I'd say of all the power ballads of the era, I think that's the one you think of. Yeah, If you say be. 80s power ballad, Every Rose Has a Thorn. Right. It's just the first one that comes to mind. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of funny, though. Um, we don't talk about the comedy aspect of our careers as much anymore, despite everything. Yeah. Um. I feel like, you know, that whole Brett Michaels, like when you saw Poison blowing up, that's kind of the feeling I had with uh, Taylor Tomlinson. Okay. When she got big. Right. And, starts, and then she's on, you know, Last Comic Standing and she's on Conan mm-hmm. and shit like that. There's that time period where it's like, once upon a time, I was opening for her at an internet cafe in La Mesa. Right. With five people in the audience. Exactly. And I would be able to just shoot the shit with her. Right. And she would tell me, oh, that, that one just riff you made was so fucking funny to me. Well, she didn't say fuck at the time. Right. But you just, that made me laugh so hard. Like, that kind of thing. And then even when I was over at the, uh, when I first started dating Roxy, I remember she was outside the comedy store when I was going in there for, like, the mic or something. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I could approach her and be like, hey, Taylor, it's good to see you. And she knew who I was. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Mike, how you doing? This is my wife, Roxy. Well, my girlfriend, Roxy. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, it's really good to meet you. And then somewhere along that line, I felt like I couldn't approach her anymore. Really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like she, and because it's like when you said, remember, I remember you making a comment about it. When she first announced she was going to be on Last Comic Standing, you just said, you're about to have a lot of new best friends. Yeah. And I just, for me, when I saw her blow up and get bigger and bigger and bigger, I knew she, I knew that was the trajectory of her career from day, the time I met her. Right. You just knew that chick was locked in right. and had the talent and the personality and everything to get where she needs to be in comedy. Right. 
Um, That's how it was when I met Brett Michaels. I knew he was going to be a fucking star. Yeah. And I wanted to be a star so bad. So yeah. I was like studying him. Like, because, how could I yeah. get some of this, like, rub off on Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, for me, it's like I started comedy at 32. She started at like 16. Right. You know, so it was weird. But when she started getting bigger and bigger and getting more and more success, the less, maybe I, I mean, for all I know, I probably could. Yeah. Approach her. She. I, it's hard to forget the one arm guy. Right. Yeah. For sure. But there became the there's there becomes this hanger on mentality of comedy. And you don't want to be that. I don't want to be the guy that tags her in everything. That right. Oh, I've I did such and such shows with you and this and that. It's like I want her to have her success. And I I would like some success, but I don't want it to be like. Everybody thinks that, oh, I know the person that's blowing up. Like, that's going to fucking, like, anybody gives a shit. Right. That, like, that's going to be an effect. Like, it makes, like, it legitimizes you. Right. You know what? And also, too, with that with that type of shit, it's like, okay, I know you or I knew you or yeah. whatever. But really not at that fucking, you know, I never got you out of some place because you were acting like a fucking idiot and you were going to get your ass kicked. Yeah. Or I never fucking, you know, you never puked on my shoes. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? We don't really fucking know each other that fucking yeah. well, you know? I mean, it's little things like the fact that, like, I, you know, I have a joke about it in my set. I mean, I, yeah, I fucking went to high school with Nick Cannon. Yeah. I didn't know him. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So I couldn't, like, use that as a bragging, right? Like, oh. Right. Yeah. I knew Nick Cannon before he was Nick Cannon. Yeah. No, I didn't fucking know him because he didn't hang out with anybody I hung out with. Right. It was I didn't know about it until I was working a Hollywood video and I remember uh, one of the gals that works there she's like, "Hey, Mike, you went to Monta Vista, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "What, you know, what what class were you?" And this was like maybe 2003 or so. I'm like, "Oh, I was like class of 99." And all of a sudden she stops. She's like, "You went to school with Nick Cannon?" I said, "I did." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had no clue that fuck like I knew who Nick Cannon was at that point. Right. Because Drumline had blown up and stuff. Yeah. I did not know I went to school with him. Right. I had no clue. He went. He was like a year ahead of me. So I just thought, I was like, I did. And she's like, yeah. And then she still was like, what was he like? I was like, I don't fucking know. I didn't hang out with him. I yeah. didn't know. I didn't even know until now. Right. I've crossed path with, paths with him ever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's funny, what's funny about that is that if you had known him, that motherfucker's a whole different motherfucker now. Oh, Because right? of all the shit that he's been through and everything. Yeah, why am I going to get in in his, his inbox? Hey, remember the one-armed guy from Monta Vista? Right. Yeah, I'm a marginally successful San Diego comedian, so you know right. I hang out. But you know, the funny thing, though, is that he's still going to have some of the same personality traits. Yeah. It's just from a different perspective or whatever. Because, like, watching that show yesterday... Sammy goes and knocks at the door, and it looks like a big fucking uh, castle door. Yeah. Like, fucking, and so Brett Michaels comes to the door, and he makes a castle joke. Yeah. Right? Which which I was just like, yeah, because that, he makes jokes, right? Like, when I first met him or whatever, he took a drink out of my beer, and he's like, don't worry about it. The doctor says my herpes is going to clear up any day now. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever. So he's like that kind of dude who makes jokes, and yeah. he still is. But they're he's about the fact that fucking, he has a fucking castle now. Yeah, he's got a castle now and would have $10 million. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is. It's like, let's say I did know Nick Cannon. Yeah. I knew Nick Cannon, 
the high school guy, not Nick Cannon, the guy that got to fuck Mariah Carey. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> like, that's, uh, we're yeah, bringing that's it back to Mariah Carey. Guy. Back to Mariah Carey again. So anyway, my last song. I think this is, whereas every rose has its thorn, maybe the standard of what you think of. Right. Power balance. To me, the best representation of what I like in a ballad is a scorpion still loving you. Perfect. Yeah. It's a breakup song. Yeah. It's, you know, it's got really good guitars in it. It mm-hmm. just kind of hits all the right, all the right notes. Yeah. That you want on that for me. And it's like, like I said, I like the more lovelorn morose song. Right. And uh, I mean, Klaus is a better singer. Yeah. Than, <laughs> yeah. Even singing in his non native language. Right. With a slight accent. Yeah. He's just a great vocalist. Yeah. And it works great for these songs. And I think what makes it so good is a bunch of guys writing songs in English. Mm -hmm. They're all, you know, they're all ESL students, basically. Right, right. Not to the point of Ingve. Yeah, But it's not their first language. Because of that, there's a simplicity. Yeah. To the purity. There's, you know, you're getting your fucking point across without being overly flowery. Yeah, or or dramatic. It's you know, just, it's, it's what just, it is. you know, I'm still loving you. Yeah, speaks for itself. Yeah. It doesn't need. It does. It doesn't need anything else. It's like we've we broke up, and I miss you, and I still love you. You know. Right.
that's the that's the the magic of the scorpion since you've been on the scorpions kick uh yeah and you know hilariously with that one that song like rudolph wrote that in the 70s yeah and he was trying to get it on an album every time and they and as long as uli was in the band he said no <laughs> you know and hilariously it was like it was one of those things where they really needed Uli because Uli left, because uh, Michael left. So they kind of had to give him a lot of concessions, mm-hmm. you know? And so he was kind of the leader of the band, in a sense, yeah. until he left, right? And so it wasn't until he left, and even those first couple of albums afterwards, they still didn't want to know about that song. They are just like, nah, whatever, you know? And then uh, he said, one day, I just played it for them again. He goes, I didn't expect anything to happen again. And, and then Klaus like, just got it. Yeah. And was like, oh, I think I see something here. And then boom. It's like, I think you know? this is a fucking, I think this is a hit. Yeah. But to me, like, you know, whereas whereas every rose is, is probably, like you said, the, the song, you know, because they hit number one and all that. I think the Scorpions are the band. Yeah, for, for power ballads. I know? mean, I mean, like I said, the simplicity of the lyrics that gets it all. Like I said, there's a purity. Yeah, but you know, and there's interesting ideas in it. You don't have a lot of wordplay, but when you have stuff like you know, if we go again all the way from the start, I would try to change the things that killed our love. You right. Know? It's like everybody's had that feeling. Oh yeah. After a breakup, where right. it's like, oh, what could I? I wish I could fucking go back in time. Right. And just do something differently. Right. And if you were writing a song, you would try to come up with some like really flowery way to say it. Yeah. But in essence, it's just better to just say it. Yeah. You know, let the music be the flowery part. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Totally. That brings us to my last one because it's also the fucking scorpions. <laughs> And what I want to have to have our scorpions episode. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so what I was um, what I wanted to do was because like since I was talking about earlier, it was actually um, still loving you that I was referring to when Rudy said, yeah, people think we sold out with yeah. this song or whatever, but we've been doing this yeah. forever, you know? And so I wanted to go back earlier and, uh, my first one that I wanted it that I was gonna fucking pick was in trance uh-huh. because it's a fucking badass song, but really there's not enough of a soft part for it to really qualify. I don't yeah. think it's more just a heavy song with a little intro. So I went to a more pure ballad and went with "We'll Burn the Sky." There we go. Because that's a fucking badass song and. Um, it's off of Taken by Force, 1977. Uli still plays it live, right? And so me and Lonnie see Uli like every year, basically, because he plays it the brick by brick. It's like 25 bucks. You yeah. know, fuck, you can't go fucking wrong. So we see him every year, and it, mostly he does he does that song every year. And he has different singers. They're usually really solid hard rock singers, you yeah. know? But they're not Klaus, yeah. right? And so the other day we're watching this this video and it's um, them doing We'll Burn the Sky live with Klaus. And I'm like, man, he really does this song way better yeah. than anybody else. And Lonnie's like, I've never heard this song before. 
<laughs> I'm like, what are you talking you about? Like a million you, times. You know, she's like, not like that. Yeah. Not like that. We, I've never, you know, and I'm like, you know what? You're right, man. It's like the whole, the mix of it. It's just perfect. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a great fucking song with also a kick-ass solo, which some of these other songs also have, but not on the level of, of that Uli Roth solo in, in Will Be yeah. Sky. the thing is some of the you know it's pretty important for me to have a cool solo and yeah. that shit and not everybody can you know U- uli roth is a, a bad motherfucker yeah yeah, yeah he's, a fucking he's one of those dudes that i never really heard much of before until we started talking and hanging out right so then i like of course that makes me look him up i'm like oh this guy's fucking good yeah you know yeah and there's just been so many eras of the scorpions that, exactly that you know it's crazy when you think about it, and then they everybody's a fucking killer yeah. for the most part. Oh yeah. I mean, at one point, fuck man, you had the fact that at one, you know, at one point in time, yeah, Matthias, mm-hmm. yeah, Rudy Shanker and Michael Shanker all in on one band. fucking record. Yeah, it's like holy shit, and you know, Michael Shanker. That's probably I don't know. Does that count as an underrated guitarist at this point? I don't think so because, well, 
guitarists all know who he is. You know, I think he's underappreciated in the in the in the whole world. Yeah, but, <laughs> I, I mean, say, yeah. think about the fact that this dude helped form the sound of the Scorpions and UFO. Right. And right. though you know, UFO at least they're not as big. They never hit the level that the Scorpions did. Right. But that's the band that all the bands you like likes. like. Yeah, you for know? sure. And, and Michael Schenker has a big fucking part of that. Oh yeah, and in the uh, in in the bonus DVD that I was watching on Love Drive, it uh, Rudy openly admits that having Michael on that record suddenly everybody wants to interview him. Everybody wants a fucking magazine. Everybody wants you yeah. know because shit, Michael Schenker's in this. New band called the Scorpions now, yeah. or whatever. This band that's been around since like 1970. Yeah, forever, yeah. And and uh, and Rudy openly admits having Michael on there opened a lot of doors for us. Yeah. I don't know if he'd admit it anymore because they're like beefing now, or whatever. Yeah, which is just it's, the most ridiculous shit. It's but. sad when you see shit like that, especially you know, anytime you see former bandmates beef with each other it's depressing it's mm -hmm. a, it's like doubly depressing when it's brothers yeah to me it is it's yeah. like man you guys fucking came up together right like, you guys both you know you guys managed to both come up together like loving music and right. becoming very fucking successful musicians yeah separate and together yeah and it's like you can't fucking somehow find a way to bridge all that yeah you should be able i mean to. part of it i'm sure it comes from the fact that michael shanker is a fucking maniac for sure and it's like you said yes so you're, you never know what you're gonna get that motherfucker yeah you never know if you're gonna get the guy that's shredding his ass off or right. the guy that looks like he's going through heroin withdrawals right. in the middle of the show exactly and you like the train wreck not a lot of people not do a lot of people do yeah and i think if he had if he had got had his shit together more i think he would have probably been a more well-known in the general. He you know, sure have populace. a lot more money. He'd have a lot That's more money sure. and probably more hits. Yeah. I think I can't guarantee that Michael Schenker group would have blown up, but I could have seen a time period where let's say he got clean and sober early where he like rejoins the Scorpions or something right. like that. And they do some more killer shit with them. Right. Because, you know, as much as I had put, you know, still loving you as, my favorite power ballad and stuff. Overall, I think Love Drive is probably a what their best overall album to listen to. Okay, even yeah, if, I love it. You know, yeah, for but, sure. Uh, but uh, even if other albums were bigger hits and easier entry for one, like when we did our entry level metal shit, right? Love Drive's the fucking like how much fucking guitar you want on this yeah record for sure. <laughs> so, for sure, fat guitars. All right, you got any honorable mentions you want to get out there? Uh, you know, other than I, I, you know, I threw out the Ozzy and Lita Ford and Skid Row and some of the stuff that I considered were shit like Goodbye to Romance mm -hmm. and you know maybe another Ozzy thing. It's like the the hard part is the fact that I'm not the biggest ballad person anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So it's got to have a real, you know, a real hook to it to really get me which is funny because mr biggs to be with you yeah is probably the catchiest motherfucker oh yeah but it's not a power ballad so it didn't right. make my list didn't but you list. know yeah jesus christ that chorus is easy to sing along to and clap yeah. along oh, to yeah. and everything so it's it's kind of uh it's kind of tough there yeah and those were all from an era from before i was really getting into music totally 
And then it took a while to get to it to where I start showing it some more love. Because yeah. when I start getting into my own thing, it's like fucking heavy shit all right, the fucking right, time. Right. Yeah. No love. Because, you know, I was a fucking teenager that wasn't getting any pussy. So right. there's right. probably a correlation. Like maybe if I would have calmed the fuck down, you know. It's like, <laughs> well, it's funny because I don't know. I was like, I went through this phase. Like I wasn't shy with chicks. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how to fucking get out of the friend zone with them. Right. It was like, I had a lot of chick friends. Right. But I I was like, I was shy where I didn't want to put myself out there right. for rejection. Exactly. So I just didn't. Yeah. So I had like female friends that I, you know, and I a lot of them still great friends with. Right. That maybe I had a little bit of thing for when I first met them. Never put myself out there. And then right. they got married, have eight kids or some shit yeah. like that. And I look back and I look at, you know, I look at pictures of myself from high school and shit. I'm like, I'm a little bad looking kid. Right. I, I could have done fine if I would have fucking went out of my way. And I was totally friendly and well liked. But yeah. I don't know what there was. I, I got that hang up where I thought that maybe uh, I got thought. I think I thought people would have cared more about my hands more than they really would. Right. Because, you know, after I finally started getting laid, basically, I realized it was not a fucking hindrance for me pretty much at all. Like, mm-hmm. most of the time, it was like, I'd tell a chick, like, if I met him online or something, like, I don't care. Right. You know, and, the, you know, we'd get along and everything would be fine. So there's that time, I look back to my high school days where I was like, man... Right. Well, I really should have put myself out there more. Right. I, there was a chick I used to hang out with all the fucking time that not only were we really good friends, she was starting to make it like really apparent mm-hmm. that she was interested in me. Mm-hmm. And then I fucking rationalized it. I was like, oh, she's about to move. You know, Ooh. so I'm like, yeah, I don't want to put myself out there for a chick that's about to move. Right. Because she flat out would say stuff like, yeah, because she was going to be moving to Arizona with her her mom and stuff like that after high school. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. The only person I could even possibly imagine having any little bit of a thing with before I leave is like you. And then she'd always want me to spend well, that the was night. a total green light. But yeah. I, I spent, you know, she wanted me to spend the night with her and shit. Oh, and I was Lord. like, no, I'll be a perfect gentleman and this and that. Right. Cause you I, don't have to, you know? <laughs> and the thing is, is I would, but I'd be like, Oh, I'll take like the fucking, the beanbag chair mm-hmm. or something like that. And there's things like that. And like, she's like, Oh, why don't you come lay down with me? And I start fucking going like, Oh fuck. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And yeah. I'm like, Hey, I should probably head home. Yeah. And that's like probably my one regret from there. I was like, this chick was actively trying to fuck me. Right. And I was being a bitch about it because right. she was like going to move. And I was like, Oh, my first time needs to be special with someone <laughs> with someone that's not gonna be gone in a month and a half. Oh, that's hilarious. And it's like and I rewind now, I'm like, yeah, well my first time was with a fucking thirty three year old woman when I was twenty that lived in North Carolina that I met on the internet mm-hmm. and she paid for me to come out to see her. So in retrospect, I should have just fucking jumped should've on that totally shit. Totally done that, yeah. And then when she the funny thing is, not to get too into this. When she moved, I think we talked maybe a couple times after she moved. Yeah. And the last time I talked to her, uh, I was thinking about like, okay, she she's going to come out and visit a lot because they're all her family still out there. I, maybe I need to actually fucking say something. Mm-hmm. And then the last time we talked, it was her telling me, oh, I got a new boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, she's like, all right, I got a boyfriend out here and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, 
fuck. And then I did the thing where she's like, hey, uh, I'm going to be in town and such and such day. Are we going to be able to hang out? Nope. Yeah. And it was, was, you know, I was going to like Comic Con or something, but I was like real butthurt. Yeah. I was like, you didn't fucking wait for me. (laughs) That kind of shit. Not that I told you you should. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sure, you know, it's funny because, yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, I should at least said something. Yeah. But hey, fuck it. That's why, uh, that's what we all, you know, that's a part of growing up and learning. That's why I have to (laughs) thank my uncles for being fucking savages because. They just taught me, you know, they, they just go up, go up and say this, go up and say that, go up, you know, so I was just used to just saying outlandish shit to girls, you know, and so <laughs> at some point I was, I was just like, you know what, uh, I think a lot of girls when we were young, they were just like probably shocked with my honesty, yeah, you know, and, and went for it, you know, cause yeah. probably didn't know what else to do or yeah. I don't know, you know, but yeah, my uncle's, uh. They fucking, they had me, there was no shyness in my, in my game from a young age because of that, the, because of those fucking idiots. The only, but, yeah. yeah, the only talking to I ever gotten from my parents in regards to dating or anything was my mom basically taught me don't rape anybody. That's good. <laughs> it was That's, a good, it's a good lesson. She basically just said, you know, Hey, if you're dating a girl and start messing around and she says, no, just fucking stop. Like, right. and I'm like, did my mom get raped before? And I yeah. don't know this. And I did not feel like following that one up. Right. And my dad, the closest thing I got to the birds and the bees was when I was in high school and he was sober finally. And uh, they do that thing in AA where you got to pull aside the person that you're drinking and adversely affected the most mm-hmm. and have a real heart to heart with them. Mm-hmm. And my dad's, the closest thing I ever got to dating advice was, hey, if you ever go to TJ to get pussy, bring your own condom because they'll charge you like 10 bucks for one. (laughs) (laughs) More good advice. And I'm like, thanks, dad. You guys are not helping me. And I don't know how. It's like, I don't know how my dad got my mom with how different their personalities are. But the same thing. It's like, I managed to get my wife at some point and dated a lot of chicks that, you would think on the surface wouldn't have gone gone for whatever I was putting out there. But right. It turned out my the goofiness that I thought was a, a hindrance in high school uh-huh. turned out to fucking work perfectly in my twenties and shit because right. they got yeah, so used to the, the player dude with the game right. that the guy that's not I'm not a terrible looking dude and especially in my twenties I was skinny and in yeah, shape yeah, yeah. and had nice hair and all that. Yeah. It's like, oh he's cute. Right. And he seems harmless because right. he's just a funny, goofy guy. And then all of a sudden, it's like, he's, you know, yeah. I learned my lesson from that. So it went from like, I'm not going to do anything. So I'll be goofy and silly and jokey. Uh-huh. And the second I think I got a shot, I'm fucking taking it. Right. And a lot of times I'd close that deal on the first date with well, shit like go. that. Because, like, you oh, you, you, oh you, I don't want you to think I'm a slut. And yeah. I'd always tell him the same thing. It's like, nah, I just. I just figured you really liked me. Right. You know. There and, you go. And they're like, okay, I feel better about it then. Yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly. So I learned over time. There you go. So that's a weird way to end the the power ballads. Power but. ballads. Okay, so you know how you, earlier you said uh, hair metal is kind of synonymous with, uh, with, with uh, power ballads, which yeah. it is. So some of the ones that I considered that I didn't put on there were uh, Cinderella. Don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah, warrant. Uh, heaven isn't too far away. 
Slaughter, Flight to the Angels. Oh, those, those, these were huge at the time. They were huge. They're the ones that, like, when I think of bands like Slaughter and stuff like that, I think of, like, okay, in the 80s, it was the fucking hair bands. Right. When I was in high school, it was the boy bands. Okay. So, if Poison was the Backstreet Boys or in sync. Right. Then Slaughter was like 98 degrees. Right, right, or, right, right, right. Or, you know, O Town. It was yeah. like that like third string third band. Third string band where, for sure. Where it's like there's they're so far mo- removed from any like genuineness to right. their aspect. It's just like they seem like this is what's big. We need to make this. So yeah. I remember like that's, you know, Fly to the Angels is on all those compilations. Right. It's just totally they're so ballless, and then you got like Nelson. And... No, Nelson, no, no, no. <laughs> Those good... chicks had nice hair. Yeah. <laughs> the, the cool thing about Slaughter is Dana Strum finally got some play yeah. in that band, so that was cool. And then I also had Skid Row. I remember you, Motley Crue, Home Sweet Home was yeah. huge. That was uh, at that time. And then other ones that that uh, didn't for, for whatever reason. Beth is just a ballad. It's, yeah. There's no uh, power part. Faithfully, it's journey. So yeah. it, you know, it's just journey. Dream on, Aerosmith is is. I guess that's a power ballad, right? In, it's, in a sense, you know, it's not about love, but you know, right? It's not about love, but it's power ballad e. Right. Um, the worst of all, because some people don't realize that Foreigner kind of was a hard rock band at before. Yeah. But I want to know what love is. Oh, that Jesus. to me is the fucking worst of all of them. So, <laughs> that song, I don't like it to begin with. Yeah. But uh, I think, I don't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, in the early, like kind of the early to mid 2000s, I had this tweaker lid next store to me, Junior. Mm. And he would be jamming all his 80s rock right. at inappropriate hours because he's on fucking meth. Right, right, right. And every so often, you can hear him singing along. Right. So there's been times I've been woken up at fucked up hours by a tweaker singing, I want to know what love is. Oh, man. (laughs) And me and my brother used to joke about him. I was like, man. I was like, man, fucking Junior, dude. He's fucking driving me up a wall. And he's like, hey, hey. He's doing a lot more with his 2 a.m. than you are. <laughs> I say, yeah, but he's doing a whole lot less with his 2 p.m. <laughs> no shit. That's a fact. But, yeah, that one I, that one especially uh, is a no-go for me. Right. So. And then as just to fucking cap it off, because we didn't have any females on on our lists. I did mention Lena Ford. Right, you did mention Lena Ford. And Mariah Carey covering a song. In the 80s, Heart. Okay, there we go. all about the, the power ballad and Alone there was like the big one. So shout out to Alone, Ann and Nancy. I and, like uh, me some Heart. So I like do I, them, man. I like them more than I think I do. Yeah. Most of the time. Like Ann Wilson's a fucking monster, dude. Yeah, I dig them, man. Yeah. Fucking Barracuda's a sick fucking Hell song, yeah. dude. Hell yeah. Magic Man and shit like that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Man, they they got some sh- they got some cool shit. And Hell it's yeah. like you kind of it's one of those things where when we talked about that before where you got that uh good for a chick mm-hmm. and flat out good mm-hmm. and you know Yeah. I know that sounds sexist. It but does kind of but it's not we don't intend it like that. I just don't right. think women get into hard rock as much. Right. Or at least playing it. Right. 
So there's a, a, a much shallower pool to draw from, and Hart was just fucking good. Hell yeah. So. Hell yeah. All right. So that wraps up the uh, Power Ballads episode. Uh, don't know what we'll be coming back with next week yet. It'll be fun. It's a surprise. Right. Yeah, surprise, surprise. So until the next one, this is me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are out. I try to stand